Hello and welcome to the Born Together podcast. I'm Techie Quay and I hope you enjoy tuning into this contemporary archive of stories on the subject of mother and parenthood. I believe in the connective power of this experience, whether it be that someone's story reflects our own or gives us the opportunity to learn and see something new. I hope that this podcast taps into the power of shared stories and that it may become a portable community for you wherever you are, illustrating the many ways we become parents and families, the lives that we live and the journey we make to find ourselves within it all. Thank you for coming on this journey with me and let's jump into the show. I'm super excited to bring you this week's episode with Giovanna Fletcher. Giovanna opens up about her own experience and journey of motherhood that sadly began with miscarriage and now she is mother to her three boys, Buddy, Buzz and Max. Giovanna talks us through her pregnancies and births, all of which, though very different, proved to be empowering experiences and the shift and growth of confidence that occurred with each birth. We have lots of laughs and tease out some of the ways in which the motherhood community has shifted in the time between her first birth and now. Here we go. Happy listening. Just also a quick note of apology for the quality of the recording. And it's a little bit crackly at times. We recorded over the summer during some of the big storms. And I think that might have something to do with it. But there's still amazing content and I know you'll enjoy it. So thanks for bearing with me. Hi, Giovanna. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. No, so thank you so much for having me. It feels weird doing it this way round. I'm usually the one asking questions, so it, it, it feels strange. I, I feel a little bit nervous. <laughs> this is good. It can match my own nervousness. I feel a bit exposed. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but would you maybe like to start? We could kick off and you could introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you and your family. Yes. Um, so my name is Joanna Fletcher. Um, I am a mum, a mum of three boys, Buzz, Buddy and Max. Buzz is six, Buddy is four and Max is about to turn two. I, When I was younger I went to theatre school, so I went to the Sylvia Young Theatre School and then was Bruford. Started out acting, um, it was very, very, uh, well let's just say my time when I wasn't acting was far more than when I was. Um, <laughs> and I suddenly found myself um, somehow very randomly working for Heat magazine and writing their book reviews and I loved doing their book reviews I was an avid reader anyway like I was literally that person on the tube that when you you know walking up the escalator with a book in their hand nose in book I would read anywhere and then slowly over time I met different agents and stuff and I started basically I started writing I became a writer myself and I'm now on my I'm writing my 12th book wow yeah. holy moly yeah. <laughs> i know so that's busy and and most of the fiction but i've got two now that are non-fiction that are about being a mum and actually so it was after five fiction books i decided to write a non-fiction about being a mum and that coincided with what i was doing online which was um talking honestly about being a mum because i had buzz and i think like most people you dream about being a mum and you dream about it all being you know lazing around in crisp linen white sheets <laughs> snuggling up and everyone's just lovely to each other and it's all about the snuggles and the kisses and the you know your adorable little children who do everything that you say and who listen mm. to you and uh and well, it's I, almost like you take time off to like oh i'd, I'd like a holiday yeah. i'll have a baby <laughs> yeah and uh, and i had buzz and, and it was difficult to have, i had a miscarriage before i had buzz and i had pcos and it wasn't easy to journeys there I had him and I just was hit with this overwhelming 
sensation after years of being maternal, I was a maternal one in every group, I was just hit with this feeling of, actually, I don't have a maternal bone in my body and I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a natural at this. Breastfeeding was difficult. Everything seemed to be um, more challenging than I thought it would be. And I started talking about it on Instagram. And the reason why, actually, I, at the time, was doing a blog for Hello, so a weekly online blog. And I was detailing how my pregnancy was going, what I was up to. I'd done a birth story, which I talked about hypnobirthing, which I'm sure we'll discuss more. Um, and I had the most amazing birth. Uh, so I shared that and then I sat back after it was published and I thought but people would read that and and I'll be one of those other like those other mums mm-hmm. who just say that everything's wonderful but it's not wonderful I'm crying every day like this is the I'm, I'm struggling and I've just put that out there uh, and that thought encouraged me to start talking um, more honestly about what I was experiencing and what I was going through and uh, and I've got to say when I, when I first started posting things I was really worried and anxious and nervous of what people would say it's that whole thing of if you ever complain about anything any part of being a mum then you almost feel like you're undeserving like you yeah. should you know that baby that you long for um you know now you're not you're not worthy of that baby or you know how how dare you um and, and I really how lucky you are yeah exactly um of which funnily enough a friend of mine had this week when she was talking about wine not having wine in her pregnancy and how she was missing wine so she had <laughs> loads of those sort of comments and she was like but it doesn't mean that I don't love my unborn child it just means that I like wine yeah. <laughs> so when I started sharing the comments back uh, which I still get now actually I think you can feel something write it down feel that um that weight being offloaded as you write it as you get it out and then upload it and you're not really ever sure of what you're going to get back so when mm-hmm. you start getting comments from people saying gosh that's how I feel I could have written that it literally it's like you form a community of people who understand each other and your own feelings validated they they you know you know that you're no longer on your own and it becomes this cycle where you're helping each other by talking honestly and what I've realized a lot over the, over the years is that sometimes by one person sharing, you're able to either help other people put into words how they're feeling, um, or you're helping people understand what they can't vocalise, uh, yeah. you know, if they're not ready. Yeah. Um, and, it's just uh, in that common language, isn't it? That yeah. point of reference. Yeah. So after, after that also going really well, every book tour that I was on, people were asking about whether I was going to write a, um, a, a non-fiction book about being a mum, and I just thought, well, there are so many books out there that tell you the right way to be a parent. They, there's so much advice. <laughs> and there's so much out there. And you just think, even if you go back to your pregnancies, you, how many times were you stopped going down the street even uh, and asked different things about what you were going to do, what labour you were going to have, whether you were going to mm. breastfeed? Like, I had so many questions asked me, from sometimes from strangers. I was going to say, and, people um, who you will never see again feeling tired, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And, <laughs> They feel entitled, and then there's an air of judgment when you tell yeah. them what you're going to do. <laughs> oh, um, oh are you sure? You're like, yeah. I, I need to go to the post office. Like, what are you yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to, um, I, I, so at the time I thought, well, I don't want to add to that. But mm. if I were to write a book about being a mum, what would it be? And, um, and I just thought, what about a very honest account of being a mum? And that's what happened on her baby 
um, came from. That's where that um, uh, derived from. And then after that, the response to it was incredible. Going on tour, it was the most emotional book tour I've ever been on. Um, just meeting lots of different mums, and not all mums, I've got to say, even people that you know listen to the podcast, they're not all mums. Um, but having everyone sort of connect in this way, it was unbelievable. And then at the end of that, like most things, whether it's music and books, you know, they have their time and then people move on. And I just felt that it was such an important conversation that we'd started that I didn't want it to drop. Mm, um, so yeah. that's when we came up with the idea of doing Have a Mum Had Baby podcast um, and continue it. So with us, you know, like this, it's never about me. It's about the guests that we have on. Uh, and it's been amazing. You know, we're just about to come to the end of series six. Um, and uh, yeah, I just love talking and hearing about all things motherhood. Cause, mm. And I think it doesn't matter who you are, what you have, what you do. Um, there is always something that you can find relatable with another person um, when it comes to being a parent. It's that real transcendent experience, especially too, like you'll connect with something and you'll probably learn something, whether that's of your own experience or someone else's. But I yeah, was thinking my daughter, like Ava's only, like she's nearly a year and a half. And I guess I've, I, and I guess mum's my age with our first babies, we've inherited this space that you've been creating for the last five, five, six years funny for us to come in and it's quite an open space now for us to have yeah. these conversations whereas talking it's to funny us, to think that when when I started that there yeah. was literally just photos of smiley faces all yeah. the time <laughs> and, and people couldn't see past that they thought that that was what everyone was doing and that they were the only ones who weren't achieving that every day yes and I think that so much pressure like on you to get your your body back and you know going mm. back to work and being this this particular type of mum there was just I think all these fences are up so it feels like they're slowly coming down and it's just I know from where I sit it's enhanced my motherhood journey so much so um, thank you thank you to all those oh. who have come before who have helped oh. us to enjoy our journey from the get-go in a way we couldn't have done 10 years ago there's another interesting part as well, which is people who have had children who have grown up and listening yes. and absorbing what is being said now. And it's that weird thing that I still feel now if I read books, like I read Laura Dockwell's books, What Have I Done?, which is about postpartum yeah. psychosis. And I think when you see yourself in certain things, not that I ever had postpartum psychosis, but it, you, it's about a healing process almost. Mm. When reading someone else's um, journey or, you know, experiences, you can literally reflect on your own and kind of go, it's not your fault and I'm really yes. sorry. And, it, yeah, it's a really weird healing process that happens from people sharing stories. Yeah, I find, like, I've been able to, I don't know, shift a lot of the energy I had post my birth talking to other women and other parents it's just been really helpful I love talking to people one to capture their story but I also find I get so much out of it too so it's also a selfish thing I guess <laughs> no no I'm, I'm, I'm totally selfish in it all yeah well should we go back in time then and talk about your first pregnancy with Buzz how did you find that I um, loved being pregnant with Buzz. So yes. I found out, so the year before I'd, gone to, I'd had, had a miscarriage and, uh, and I think I had to go through 
a grieving process and I had to go through accepting and forgiving my body mm. weirdly before that and um so I'd, it was quite a time leading up to it and uh and I literally just got into the headspace of forgiveness and then found out that I was pregnant I literally couldn't believe it um and I can remember we were going to America that day that morning we were flying to Florida to go to Disney World Tom's favorite place <laughs> and um, and we were going over there because his parents were flying over there in like two days after us so we were surprised them they didn't know that we were going over there they thought we were going over to Paris and so uh so we were flying over there so that morning I thought you know what I'm due on, I'm just going to do a test just in case because Tom will ask me to get on the flight and I'll, I'll see if I have, can have a champagne on the flight and because we're on holiday and um, and all the rides and things. So I did a test at like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, God. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I literally can just, that feeling, I think whenever, there's two feelings in the world that I think it's really hard to describe. One is finding out you're pregnant and the other is a proposal. And I think it's only when you see videos of those happening that that those feelings come back. Like you suddenly they flood they they flood you again. It's very odd. Yeah. Um, I can remember just feeling like doing the test and not really believing it was going to be pregnant, but just doing it so that I could know I could know that I could tell Tom not to worry and whatever else. And uh, and just literally. That I can't describe it. There's, I, I was just in amazement. <laughs> I, was I can remember just going to the bedroom, turning the lamp on, and prodding Tom and him being like, what? Like, look, look at this. Like, no time to think about it. <laughs> and um, so we got on the flight, and it was all just a bit of a daze. I can remember walking around Disney, not going on any rides, literally just walking around like I was on cloud nine. Um, although still worried because uh, of the previous miscarriage and um, you know, just wanting to be careful and things and, you know, Googling everything, like, what am I allowed to eat? What am I allowed to do? Should I even be getting on a plane? Um, and uh, and then when Tom's mum and dad finally arrived and we surprised them, the first thing that Tom's dad said to me is he put me his arm around me and squeezed me and he was like, we're going to go on so many rides. And I was like, oh, <laughs> not so we have to sit them down and say, prize the youth, go loads of rides and stuff and make the most of it, but going to take a slightly different turn and they were so 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 thrilled well it's um, an even better surprise isn't it better than rides <laughs> yeah let's just walk around disney and be in this little bubble of euphoria of what's to come and well, yeah, they so call it the happiest place on earth. Like that, they do put you guys Not on the poster. Know that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it was it was brilliant finding out, and then I can't remember my pregnancy ever being that bad but any of my pregnancies really well actually the third one was but so buzz uh so did yeah I can't remember it being that bad I was tired I loved salt and vinegar crisps or salt and vinegar chips but I mm. think that was maybe just an excuse because I really liked them anyway in everyday life <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a case of oh I'll just have more of those to the point there where you start burning your lips because you've had too much salt yeah they start to sort of pucker up don't they like, yeah and then it's not so good you know to stop um and then uh I think we kept it quite private until I was, I think I was 19 weeks by the time we actually um, sort of shared the news. And it was literally that feeling of fear and um, worry that, you know, I was going to uh, miscarry again. So we did keep it under wraps for as long as we could. And then 
Yeah, it's that moment. That thing, isn't it? As soon as you tell people, suddenly you can't even hold your tummy in anymore. It all just sort of pops out. Secrets <laughs> <laughs> out, out. Yeah. And then I had three different friends, very different friends, get in touch to tell me about hypnobirthing. And I hadn't heard of it at all before, like at all. So these three women were all so different to each other. I thought, oh, maybe I'll look into that at some point. Yeah. And one of them had sent a link. And one of them I'd gone to infant school with, but I left the school when I was nine. So we, we knew each other very well from four to nine, five years, and then literally was on, uh, friends on Facebook, but hadn't really spoken to each other. Uh, but she'd sent me a link. So the closer we got to, you know, and everyone asking questions, like, how are you going to do it and everything like that, I thought, yeah, well, I'm going to look into this hypnobirth and just see what it is. And um, I clicked on the link. And uh, so it was Holly de Cruz who I went to uh, Holly, actual infant school with. I didn't know this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually went to Holly. infant school with the person. <laughs> so the person that sent the link was Holly. But I didn't realise that she'd sent a link and she was actually a practitioner. Um, so I was just like, wow, this is like, what a small world. Like, yeah. absolutely, let's just get her over. So Holly came over and it was that really weird thing where we were great friends when we were nine. And, um, and then I moved uh, to Essex. So um, it, was, um, it was lovely having her here. And we, so we did a private course with her. So she came here two or three times. And she's just so soothing. Literally, she'd come mm. over. And I think when you tell people about hypnobirthing, it feel it sounds like Icky. this. Actually, yes, Ooh. and actually, I was walking Ooh. past someone. Yeah, I was walking past someone uh, on the street um, months and months ago. And uh, it was two friends, a, guy, a man, a, a woman, and then another person. So they were obviously t- talking about someone else. And they were like, you know, she's gone all hippy dippy. Um, she's doing, she's doing baby dead weaning and hypnobirthing. And I found it so funny that oh, it was referred to as hippy dippy. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but I guess when you don't know and you're going into it, you don't really know what it is. Well, the name like doesn't said, help itself, does it? No, no, it really they have to rebrand, rebrand. Yeah. But as soon as you start talking to Holly and you start reading the books and understanding it, it's like the best science lesson for a start that you ever have into the reproductive system into birth like it's just amazing and then i mean i think just like education on your own body that we don't get i just yeah what were we doing all that stuff like i learned in high school and it wasn't till i was 30 and you've got nine months before you have a baby and I was like I learnt more in this whole time <laughs> in nine months in my whole life all that time we spent yeah. burning things in a Bunsen burner when we yeah. should have actually been learning important things <laughs> learn something useful <laughs> yeah it was absolutely amazing listening to it and then all the scripts and things like that um because mm-hmm. there's, there's two sides to it there's the educational and, uh, and understanding things in a really simplistic way and then there's the um sort of, I guess, medita- guided meditation side. I, get, I never know what to yeah. call it. But having th- that time when me and Tom would sit down every night for 10 minutes and just, you know, just breathe and he'd read me a little script. It was literally, it was just so nice because when you're both so busy, it was just great to just sit together yeah. and think about what was to come. 
and to be present yeah. in your pregnancy I don't know if you were similar but some days you just you're so busy and you almost forget and then you're like oh my god this huge bump is a little person <laughs> yeah and I've got to say that got worse and worse with each pregnancy like there oh, were great. days okay. with Max where I was like oh my god I've eaten far too much pasta today and then you're like oh no I'm pregnant <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's just a lovely thing to go to, and I do think that if people were to do something and they didn't end up, you know, going like having birth in the way that they wished, I I would like to hope that hypnobirthing is a way to keep people calm and 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 in the moment and in, and you know part of it. It just is very calming. My sister had her daughter, my niece, and she had planned hypnobirthing her way through. She was living here at the time. I loved doing the different sort of scripts and stuff with her. I found it so mm. lovely to do with sisters. And then um, Summer Ray was breached, and she ended up having to have, well, she had planned for a C-section. Then she'd gone into labor. So thankfully, Georgie had done hypnobirthing, and... And I was with her and my brother-in-law and we went to the hospital and we were, we carried on with all the breathing and the hypnobirthing techniques because she had to get to, well, she had to wait for her C-section because it was an emergency and there was someone else who was um, in danger before her. So, um, or it was, it was, there were complications. So she got to six or seven centimeters before she actually had, um, had some array uh, with a C-section. So, you know, it's, wow. it's, it's very useful to have uh, those mm. techniques. And in life. Um, and in life. Yeah, I think this is it. Like, it goes beyond just birth. I think we could do with them for life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's like most things. I think definitely most things in parenthood. I think you've mm. got to read it. You've got to read up, do your work, and then take from it what you want to, what yeah. works for you, what is accessible Absolutely. for you, what makes you feel good. Um, yeah. What, what plays your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And hypnobirthing is all about being comfortable. So that... I feel worked with that. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I loved everything about the idea of hypnobirthing, but at the same time, I didn't feel regimented. And I, yeah, so that was the plan. The plan was hypnobirthing. Um, <laughs> I had to stay calm. Um, and, <laughs> and we were out with Tom's bandmates, their wives, because um, it was one of their birthdays. And it was two and a half weeks before my due date. Um, and I can remember we had to drive across London to get to the restaurant. And, uh, and we had the bag and the boot, uh, just in case. Uh, and me and Tom had had an argument that day because I'd said, um, that I could drive there myself. And he was like, no, you're really pregnant. I'm going to come back from work and then we can drive in together. And I was like, oh, <laughs> don't so treat annoying. me like I'm precious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I spent the afternoon. It was very strange. I spent the afternoon. I had to, I, I went down to the petrol station and I got a magazine because I'd just done an okay interview and I was pregnant in it. And I wanted the vote. I wanted to, you know, a nice thing. Yeah. Having a look at it and seeing yourself pregnant in a photo shoot and stuff, I wanted to see what was done with it. Uh, and while I was there, I uh, bought this is what I fancied eating uh, yum yums, uh, <laughs> bacon rashers, you know, like the frazzles, the crisps. Oh, God. Um, what else did I get? I got the jam sandwich biscuits and olives. No idea why those four things were found their way into my basket, but they did. <laughs> and I literally came home, ate 
not all of it, but a large portion of it. All about eighty percent. <laughs> yeah, and then I felt really sick, and I was my, my tummy was coming a bit, and I thought, oh, I overdone it on the sugar. I overdid that. What were you doing? <laughs> it was obviously a bad combination. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well so I literally was like, oh, I should have done that. And then um, Tom came to pick me up, and I was like, oh, yeah, should have done that. Uh, but then when we were driving past the hospital, um, Tom said. Uh, Tom put his hand on my tummy. So we're driving past the hospital to get to the restaurant, and Tom put his hand on my tummy and said, Uh-oh. "If you want to come tonight, little bean, a uh, little crumb, um, just wait until we've had our steak." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going right. to this, uh, yeah, going to this um, meal and feeling so pregnant, so pregnant. And uh, and I can remember talking to my friend Georgia, and literally, I just felt a pop. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Like, you know, they just stopped me mid-chat to her, but I didn't say anything. Uh, and I sort of sat in my seat for a bit, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to go to the loo. <laughs> um, and I went to the loo, came out of the loo, my friend Izzy was there, and she was like, okay. And I was like, well, I, th- I, think, I think my waters might have broke. I was like, I'm not sure, but I think. And she was like, okay. Because um, it was all just you know it was liquidy shall we say uh and uh so i went upstairs to the table and then my friend emma willis was there next to me and i was like yeah <laughs> i think i think my water spike broke and tom's across the table from me and he's what? like what now i'm like what what is, do you not think you should tell the father before you tell everyone else <laughs> and I was like, oh that's a good point that's a good point honey i think possibly we're all too broken and emma was like do you want to stand up and say like do you want to what do you want to do and i was like i don't know i think i'm just gonna let's just sit here and, and see what happens. Uh, but uh, so I literally did that. We ordered our steak. We ate our steak. And, uh, and keeping by the time calm. I'd... Yeah, keeping calm. Keeping calm. Like, everyone else wanted to run around, call ambulances, get wet, warm towels, you know, deliver them right there. <laughs> uh, but I was very, very chilled. And um, like Emma then came with me to the toilet and I was like, I don't know. And she was like, I don't know. Um, and then I... Yeah, yeah, I started to feel um, more sort of rumblings, should we say. And then that's mm-hmm. when I realised I'd actually been feeling them all afternoon. So it wasn't the combo of olives and yum-yums that had done it. <laughs> it was a fact that something, yeah, it was something that was starting. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up leaving. Didn't stay for pudding. Uh, we left mm, and we phoned same. the hospital. <laughs> I know. And I can remember thinking as we left, uh, because we phoned the hospital, and they said, you know what, if you're driving past, just Hop come in. in and we can do a check. Uh, and we were like, great. So we drove in and I can remember thinking, well, isn't this great? It's, it's, we're having, we're, I was, I was um, in a hospital in um, London. And that's where another thing where I say about taking bits that you uh, find useful for you and encourage and empowering for you. Like I, I, I feel safe in hospitals. I know some people feel differently, but I was always going to, I wanted my obstetrician. He made me feel safe. After, that was uh, the place for you. Yeah, that was the place for me. Uh, and I can remember on the way there just going, well, isn't this lovely? It's night time. <laughs> we're going to get free parking. We're going to be able to park straight outside. <laughs> uh, just been out for dinner. My hair's done nice. This is just lovely. This, uh, is, uh, <laughs> this is Yeah, this is, this is what it looks like in all the pictures on Instagram. <laughs> uh, uh, and, um, and we got there and, uh, and, I, and the midwife examined me and she was like, yeah, nothing is happening. You're not even dilated at all. 
it could have been um, maybe your waters are either uh, leaking uh, slightly, or it could have been your height four waters. I think four yeah. waters, or you've wet yourself. And I was I like, mean, well, that's very I'm possible. Sure I would know. <laughs> yeah, that is very possible, and especially post birth. I think I'm yeah. out now. But yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I thought, well, surely I would know if I'd wet myself. Like the smell, there's a smell of wee, and this isn't that. Um, but she was like, so I, I she and uh, and she just said, you know, I think you should go go home. But I think I think you'll be back in a few days. I was like, okay. And by this point, in my contractions, I was having um, contraction surges uh, every three minutes. Um, but nothing was happening down below. So I was like, okay. So we went home, kept monitoring it. I didn't go, I think I tried to lie down, couldn't lie down, um, ended up downstairs on my on my ball, listening to just gorgeous music. Yeah. And I just remember bouncing downstairs for that, then listening to a bit of Coldplay, getting in the bath, just kind of, I couldn't sleep because something was happening. So I just thought, let's just stay nice and calm. And then this big bogey came out that I realised was almost a plug. <laughs> but even oh, then, no, I'm telling you about <laughs> No, I was like, what is this? So I ended up Googling it and seeing what other mucus plugs look like. Other mucus plugs look like. Uh, but still, because they said a few days, I was like, oh, we're fine. And then it was only about half past seven, I think, in the morning. We'd, have, we'd got up properly, had breakfast. Tom had been sort of running around the bedroom for a while, putting more things into the, the hospital bag that we definitely didn't need. Yeah. <laughs> His way of getting organised. Yeah, more snacks, more, more jelly babies. Um, and, uh, and the doctor phoned about half past seven and, uh, and sort of said, you know, I hear, I hear you came into the hospital last night, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've just been having contractions all night. Uh, and he was like, okay, well, I'd feel much more comfortable if you came to see me this morning just so I can examine you and see what's going on. And I was like, perfect, that's fine with me. So we really took our time, got into London. We listened to um, Holly, uh, you know, the whole way in, uh, got to him about half past ten. He examined me. No, no, first of all, they did a scan. And they were worried because of the water around mm. the baby was a lot less than it should be. So Craig was like, I'll do an examination. And I was like, fine, that's good with me. And I can remember, uh, he, he, he looked at me and he was like, have you been having contractions while you've been here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm having one right now. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And then he said to Tom, come here. So he's down, you know, that end. He said, come here. Uh, and, uh, and Tom went down to that side. And he was like, you see up there, that's your baby's head. Holy F. Yeah, so I was already oh at that point. God. Yeah, I was already six centimeters. But by that point, <laughs> I was a bit hungry again. So, <laughs> and we were so chilled. Yeah, I mean, we had breakfast at five, and we didn't know how long it was all going to take. So you know what? We we just thought, well, because he's got his surgery, and then you have to walk around to hospital. So we were like, well, he was so he he just said, I'll phone you ahead to the hospital. I think you should make your way around there. And I'll see you there later on. And I was like, perfect. Uh, and I was like, well, let's just go. Let's just go for breakfast, like slash like a brunch before we go around there. I mean, uh, it's and your I last have to say, last exactly. <laughs> uh, and I have to say that as I sat with my porridge and banana when it finally arrived, I did have doubts uh, about my choices. Because <laughs> 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 it wasn't the most comfortable breakfast I've ever had. 
So, uh, so then we went round to the hospital, um, and by that point, I think I was seven centimeters. But again, everything was quite slow um, getting into the hospital. But I was really chilled out, and I, I can remember just, yeah, I can. It might have been slow in other people's eyes, I guess, but I was watching Michael McIntyre, listening to Coldplay, listening to hypnobirthing affirmations, getting some nice, you know massaging right finger type things from every now and then so I was in a really chilled zone and then my obstetrician came in and I was getting in and out of the water uh, to be examined and stuff it's really interesting I think looking back and reflecting because I think had it been someone else they might grumble over the fact that the obstetrician was making involved because he yeah but to be honest I, I felt like I was in safe hands and you know in certain future pregnancies, maybe I would have made different choices. But, um, yeah, so in the end, I had to come out because uh, my old waters had obviously broken the day before and um, Craig wanted to check and I ended up having a pediotomy, um, which wasn't very nice. But I have to say that when Buzz arrived, I was literally cracking jokes until the last moment of my labour. Like, I was literally on cloud line the whole way through like saying funny things. I hadn't taken any drug at all, but I felt like I was as high as a kite, Ooh. and uh, in a really good way, in like a really just mellow, funny way. Like, um, uh, and I can remember story, saying, as soon as yeah. yeah, as soon as he was out, I was like, that was the most amazing experience I have ever had. Yeah. So even though I had had those interventions, it didn't really you still felt in empowered the... in your experience. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was incredible, absolutely incredible to go through that, to witness it, to to be in your body while it's doing all these things that you are on, you can't change, you have no control <laughs> over, you know, your body is doing its thing and, and the best thing for you to do is to kind of give yourself o- over to your body and trust it. And, uh, and so yeah, and so I think I, it's a rare thing, sorry G, to interrupt you. Yeah, okay. Like to have that experience, like I was 30 when I had my daughter, and there's so few experiences you haven't had by then with your own body. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's just something else has taken over, and it's like, oh my God, I don't, I don't know. What is this? It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. And you, and you know, you get described certain parts, and you know, you're like, oh gosh, is this the transition part? You know, Mm. these words, and you're like, oh, what is this bit? Oh, it's changing now. It's going. So you thought you're, in, you know, you're in the groove of this bit. Now it's doing something different. Wow. So yeah, so it is one big learning experience, and uh, and I think for whoever you're with as well, whether it's your partner or your friend or your mother or, you know, it must just be just I don't know to see someone else go through that and to bring life into the world. I can't even imagine what it is to to witness that. Mm. Um, you know, I think in a, in in another life, I would have loved to have been a midwife. But I do think I would cry with every single baby that came into the world. I think absolutely. I don't know how they keep it together so much. Like I cry all the time just thinking about it. <laughs> well, and that raw emotion as well. Yeah. You know, I think that's it. If, if I think about going into um, hospital, I had a nighty, you know, I had bikini bottoms, bikini top, just in case. You know, I had all these things to protect my dignity in a way. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you, you literally, you're like, I don't care, but I, I take all this 
stuff this man-made stuff yeah me. i just i need to be at one with the water and my body and whatever happens happens and um you know and i think um especially with them with breastfeeding as well where it feels like oh, any yeah. person who can or ha have an opinion or can help you in some way has the hand in your boobs before you know it and uh, you so know, <laughs> yeah, and I can remember, but it's so weird looking back as well. I can remember at first because Boz was so tiny. Well, he was six five, which was which is very tiny. No, he was six two, six two or three, not six five, six two or three. And uh, and I can remember the midwife getting me to express some colostrum so that we could put it into like a syringe to give him. And I can remember her saying, because I'd, I'd been to the breastfeeding classes. I should have known what I was doing, clearly. <laughs> but she was like, you know, just um, just massage your boob and, you know, the milk will come out. And I was like, I don't, like, how? And by that point, you're yeah. so knackered. You're just like, help me. <laughs> you help me. <laughs> you see this every day. Like, this is the first time for me. I need help. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just having someone that you barely know just, you know, massage just help. Yeah. yeah. And it's not and like just, a sexual way. It's not like somebody you met at the, at the bar and you've gone home. It's like, oh, I don't think I've ever had a sexual boob massage. <laughs> I should look into this, though. I think it's maybe too late for me now. <laughs> That'll be tonight, Jackie. <laughs> like, who is this Peggy? It's really weird. <laughs> but yeah, it's that thing is that you literally, you go in thinking, I'm going to, you know, do things in certain ways and actually... It's not even dignity that goes out the window. It's just your sense Coping. of self, and yeah, yeah and <laughs> and no longer feeling. And that's it's hard because you are the most vulnerable, most fragile, most empowered. There's so many emotions that surround that time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just I feel like so many things just strip away, and your ego is left at the door, uh, and it's just about getting through it and surviving and figuring it out and knowing that the people around you are hoping that they know what they're doing and they're going to help you sort of it's just yeah. a really big breath isn't it? it's like oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah and I can remember when Buzz was placed mm -hmm. on me just that feeling of you know you've you've been working yeah. towards that and then there's there's this little and no until you hold your own newborn baby that's just freshly out no. nothing could compare like prepare you nothing. for what that feels and, like no well though it, it's just such a surreal sensation to hold this wriggling little slightly yeah. thing and they're yours <laughs> and they need you and they and they've yeah. worked so hard to be born and it's just like and it's like I've known you but I haven't known you I've been talking to you for a long time and we've been waiting for you and even just oh is this what you look like and it was yeah it was wild yeah. it was wild the good word yeah, good word yeah to describe it wild <laughs> you get away with that because you're Australian I couldn't say that off my own back right slang. <laughs> <laughs> and then how did you find or at what point moving forward a bit in time did you start to connect with buzz and i guess yeah feel like you could do this you were saying that it wasn't the experience you thought it was going to be so i i think a large part of that was mm. breastfeeding and um and just being so tired and you know he would take an hour and a half to feed him and then he'd sleep for an hour and then would be starting again and um because obviously if a baby is fed every three hours or every two and a half hours whatever 
that's from the start yeah. of the feed, which means that if you're taking an hour and a half to do it, you don't have much no, time off. The clock's ticking. Um, and, and I think, uh, and I just think it was so overwhelming. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And the latch wasn't happening. So then we were using shields. And I had an amazing lactation consultant come over who really helped me on so many mm-hmm. levels, actually, not even just with breastfeeding, just with this feeling of me wanting to be super mum and to her just telling me to stop. <laughs> uh, but actually, a week in, we ended up back in hospital because Buzz had an infect... An inf- well, he went to bed one night and his finger was a bit red. And, um, and the next morning, I woke up to feed him and his finger was really, really pussy and very, very angry. And he'd one of his eyes was completely shut um, from conjunctivitis, obviously. But so we ended up getting an appointment, a, hospital, a, a, a doctor's appointment. Who then? Oh, it was just a weird thing with a, with a hospital where they wanted us to leave with um, like needles. What is it called? Is it cannula. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted us to leave with the cannula still in his arm, and then come back the next morning to give him more antibiotics. The whole thing of getting the cannula in his arm Would in the first place great. was so yeah. traumatic. Yeah, it, it was horrible. And, the, you know, they tried several different times. And they're so was only small. eight days old mm-hmm. by that point. Yeah. Uh, and it was really horrible. And by that point as well, I was having major things downstairs. The things were killing and things. I was in so much pain walking around. Um, and I spent five hours at um, pediatric A&E with Buzz because the doctor didn't want to give him antibiotics, obviously, because he was so young. So she wanted him to be seen by um, a pediatrician. Um, uh, at the hospital um, so everything took so long and, and we came home and I just thought this doesn't feel right it doesn't feel right that we've left the hospital with all these antibiotics that we're ex- being expected to go back in the morning it doesn't feel right that our son has a needle in his arm and we don't know what we're doing so we phoned up the hospital that I'd given birth in um, who also have a paediatric section it's for women and children and we sort of described what was going on with him and they sort of said to us that they shouldn't have let you leave on by antibiotics. He should be monitored at least for the first 24 hours because he's a newborn. And you don't know what, you know, what's going to happen. So we ended up going, so they would just sort of said, come back in. And I can remember getting out of the car when we got there and just saying to Tom, you know, if I'm still feeling this way, I might say something to the doctors to get them to check me out. And then we got inside and literally the first hour there of me not of just being so uncomfortable, sitting down, laying down, walking, everything was just hurting downstairs. Mm. So luckily we managed to get a doctor to come down and basically one of my stitches had come loose and got infected. So uh, I was then put on antibiotics as well. Uh, and I think having that first, so we were then in hospital for five days together. Um, and it is that thing of, not being able to run around the house, welcoming people with cups of tea and packets of biscuits, not being able to do washing, not being able to do all of those household chores that every single mum tries to do on top of being a mum to a newborn. I think it was not having to do all of that stuff and just focusing on Buzz that really helped our bond. Mm. Like just being able to sit with him and look at him and fall in love with breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely just watch him and his little... You know movements and stuff because I used to when when people used to come over and hold him and he'd cry uh, you know and they said oh he wants his mummy I'd literally be in a bit of a hot flush like mm-hmm. a little bit of a panic and be like no he doesn't he doesn't know what he wants he doesn't know me and and I can remember saying to my dad one night on the phone you know I don't I don't know if he I don't think he loves me dad 
And my dad being like, Giovanna, he's you're his world, really. Yeah. Of course he loves you. You're you're all he knows. Um, and I just think there were some, yeah, my, I, I was quite low. But it took, I think as breastfeeding got easier, us finding time just to be together, it all eased off. But that's the thing, that's another pressure, isn't there? There's that massive pressure of this bond. We're all expected to have this instant bond when your baby comes out. And sometimes the story is a little bit different and it can really make you question everything and, and worry that something is up when that isn't instant because you know that the love is there it's a newborn baby of course you love them um but then i think the bond is something different to to just love i think there's sort of love and then being in love with them that connection can come later isn't it and i know i've talked to, yeah. to mums and you've probably talked to lots of parents where they were doing all the things you do if you love your baby so it's in in that they understood they loved their baby but it was there was mm -hmm. a sort of numbness about it and it took a while yeah. for that curtain to come down and it makes sense because literally you can i think i was so like i was so in my head preparing for the birth yeah and i, and I had all the stuff like i had all the the career you know, the wardrobe yeah. <laughs> all of that stuff but you don't nothing prepares you for what it's like to actually be a mum and how much your world literally changes overnight like no longer can you be spontaneous getting out the door everything needs to be timed needs to be thought of and yeah so because I, I didn't it took me five months to breastfeed outside in public um yeah and which is just looking back it's it's ridiculous obviously i've done it twice since then and you know it's just literally a case of get your boo bags <laughs> uh, you know. uh, but first off i was just i don't know it, it was just very strange i just had this thing about wanting to do it at home and being comfortable and um so it took me a long time to get my confidence up and uh so yeah but that played into not being able to just be spontaneous and go mm -hmm. somewhere um, even when it came to baby groups with other mums, I'd be like, okay, so if I get there early, um, I'll breastfeed him, I'll give him a topic. It's not his feeding time, but I'll give him, I'll give him a bit of a feed before he goes in, because that will hold him off while we're there, and I won't have to feed him while we're in there. But I, why? 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 I think my brain is doing funny things. Um, I'm sure it yeah, was, um, just because we've got all these hormones going, and it's it's new, isn't it? It's learning a new skill, and it's learning how to be vulnerable, yeah. like vulnerable with your baby and yourself and in public. And also, it's it's such an intimate space. I think that's what I found yeah. hard to begin with, was to just sort of do that out. And it takes time to learn how to do it as well. Honestly, it took me 10 weeks. Yeah. The kindest thing, the lactation, oh, oh was it midwife at the hospital? Someone said to me, was it takes, they said it takes two weeks um, for you to um, work out. What, it can, that's what, a lot for a lot of people, it's two weeks. It was 10 weeks for me. And also, even three months. It was, yeah, I can remember being at a wedding, actually. Sorry, my memory. Uh, so I remember <laughs> being at a wedding 10, 10 weeks after giving birth. And saying to two other friends who were breastfeeding, who'd given birth around the same time as me, um, gosh, you know, they say that, you know, it shouldn't hurt when you're breastfeeding, but it's still, it's still, you know, there's still that first 10 seconds, isn't there, where, you know, it still hurts a little bit, isn't there, isn't there? And they both just looked at me and were like, no. So I thought, well, that's fine, that's them. And I can remember watching daytime TV, as you do a lot, <laughs> the board, uh, three months in, and it, it was like, Buzz's mouth had just changed 
And feeling was completely different from that month, that point in. And I'd always, I'd always said that I would feed him up until he was six months or had teeth. I don't know why. That was just something that has got stuck in my head. But because we'd done three months to get it to be easy, I was like, sod that. I'll just, I'll just carry on. No need to learn a new skill when you're mixing formula and whatever. Yeah. I'll just get the baths out. So yeah, so we carried on and I'm really glad I did. And then thankfully with both um buddy and max um it all just went really really well um and i think i i for me it was a game of perseverance yeah and and carrying on and and that's what it taught me with the other two as well so i don't think i was scared when it came to breastfeeding them and even you know even worrying about breastfeeding um little ones out and about with with but uh, with Buddy, I just had to do it straight away because I had a toddler who was running around at soft or whatever. You know, you do it walking around at that point because you've got to chase after the toddler. Um, Put him in the carriage yeah. and get your boob out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess, was it a decision to maybe grow the family then and thinking about having number two or it was a bit yeah, of a surprise? I, well, so when I got to nine months, when uh, when Boz was nine months old, I can remember thinking, gosh, if I got pregnant now, it would be an 18-month age gap. And I know loads of people my age yes. who have 18 months between them and their siblings. So it's not a crazy thought. It's so I just common. remember laughing at the idea. Yeah, mm. I can remember laughing at the idea and going, no, couldn't imagine now. And then he got to a year and I was like, oh, um, there's a certain point where it's good for siblings um, to have another child, just it's slightly easier, maybe. <laughs> Never is easy. Having more than one, it's all just good. Um, anyway, so I read something that said around the two-year mark, and I just thought, you know what, that sounds quite nice. Two, three years would be lovely. And so I got, um, I think Buzz. Well, I don't know. I just we just started saying to each other, do you know what? Should we just not not try? No, yes. not yeah, yeah. That's right. That's the right way. We're gonna stop, um, stop trying or whatever. Yeah, yeah, let's just see what happens, yeah. And uh, because at some point, you know, we're not, we're not, because I think I knew how desperate I was to be a mum to Buzz and how that really played on so many things. That that feeling of failure every time I came my period, that feeling Mm. of, um, you know, desperation. And and I just didn't want that this time around. So I just thought, you know what, let's just see what happens. There's no point in getting worried about it. First off, I started taking, so to get pregnant with bars, I was taking metformin for my PCOS and Clomid. So I just thought, let's just start taking metformin and uh, at least I'm on track then. My periods have become regular because I'd only just stopped breastfeeding. Um, mm. uh, I stopped breastfeeding at 13 months. My periods came back um, literally a couple of weeks after that. And so literally, I'd only had, <laughs> yeah, I'd only literally had, because I had no idea of my cycle at yeah. all. So, you know, we were just having sex because we liked each other. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I found out that I was pregnant with Buzzy, which I did with Buzz. It just felt completely bizarre to um, to be pregnant. And it was one of those things actually where I was having a book launch. And again, I just thought, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do a test just in case. Uh, because I quite like a glass of champagne at my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise I was a running fever through this. Um, and um, and then yeah, I just could not believe that I was pregnant. Because again, I've just taken the test on a 
what if I am? Let's just do I love peeing on sticks, basically. <laughs> just have a supply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I literally could not believe it. And I think that pregnancy, I didn't get to focus on as much because um, I had Buzz to run around after. and Yeah, but his labour was completely different to Buzz's. I can remember we were watching the BAFTAs at home and I just felt this period type rumble and uh, I thought oh that's interesting and then it happened again 20 minutes later then 10 minutes later and then five minutes later and uh, I remember loading the dishwasher afterwards and, and Tom was like are you okay and I was like yeah I've just been just been having some um just some feelings because I also think I thought they would happen like last time so my water would, mm. would just break and then I'd know because that's the whole, I think, the ambiguity of when your labour starts and what is active labour. It's all, you know, it's all just feeling, I don't know. And I uh, think by that point, second time round, you are basing it on your first experience. The first time yeah. you have no idea whatsoever. And then I imagine if I was to have another baby, I'd be like, well, this is what happened the first time. So it would probably be simple. Yeah. Yeah. exactly <laughs> but yeah so I said to Tom I've been having these rumblings and he was like can you just tell me when you're feeling these things <laughs> I was like oh, okay and yeah yeah uh, but he went to bed and I ended up staying up just trying to watch a little bit of Comedy Central and um, <laughs> I can remember just watching the first five minutes and just being like oh gosh I am um, well, I think I'm a bit too uncomfortable for this this is this is quite intense already and um, I tried to go to the loo and literally could not sit down in the toilet. I was like, yeah. oh, gosh, what's going on? So I went upstairs to Tom and I was like, I think we should probably go in the hospital and just see what they think. Uh, and they, um, and because we also had Buzz, we had to think about how we were going to, what we were going to do with him. We had to get him in the car to go to the grandparents' house. Um, so um, we phoned them and they were like, we'll just hang tight for a bit and see how you feel. Um, but they did know that we also had a drive. But because I'd done him birthing and it had been straight, so straightforward the first time, they, they also thought, you know, you, I manage pain in a different way. Yeah. Um, so let's get her in, you know. Um, so we ended up taking Buzz to his own granddad's. Um, and I can remember the whole journey into London, which was about 40 minutes, uncomfortable sensation. Like I could literally feel things in me happening. It was very bizarre. And got to the hospital and they wanted to do 20 minutes monitoring. That 20 minutes was so uncomfortable. I remember we were trying to watch New Girl, not really focusing on the comedy that we were watching. It was, it was very strange. But after that, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get off the table, went to the toilet, and um, I was told I was six centimetres, um, so it might be a while. I remember going to the toilet and just feeling this sensation ripple through my tummy. Like, literally, just this sensation of... <laughs> ripple. Yeah, completely. And I came out and I and I was like, I just had this really, really weird sensation. And the midwife was like, oh, okay. Um, not really paying any attention to me. She was like, well, let's just get into the pool. And so I got in and maybe 20 minutes later, if that, I was like, I, I feel like I want to put, I feel like the baby is there. Like the baby is there. She was like, yeah. <laughs> okay. And by that point, the midwife who delivered bars had come in and she was trying to have a chat with me. I was in the water just kind of breathing because they thought I was six centimeters or whatever. Um, and, but happy. I was happy. Uh, and I just had five more of those sensations that I had in the toilet. And literally, the, I could feel the baby moving, my water's breaking, the baby coming down. 
everything, literally in the uh, under those five things. I said to the midwife, the baby's coming, the baby's coming. And she was like, oh, man, no, <laughs> not really paying attention. And all of a sudden, then another midwife is brought in because there was only one and we needed two. And, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was suddenly all stations. And he literally, so we, we got to the hospital at quarter past one and he was born at ten past two. Wow. Um, it just had he flew out literally it was so animalistic my body took over my body literally expelled him from my body it's the best way that i can describe it oh, that's um, what they call it yeah like yeah wow. yeah it was literally like he shot out so fast that he's both of his eyes were bloodshot for the first month. <laughs> he looked like a superhero <laughs> villain <laughs> he really did. He looked like this this villain from a superhero uh, movie. He, um, uh, yeah, it was the most surreal experience, and this euphoria that just hit straight away. And, and I can remember just saying to Tom, really, the, my first thought when he was on me in the water was, Tom, get the camera, get the camera. You need to capture this. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it was just so quick. And yeah, I did nothing in that labour. And what was weird is, so I was holding on to the side of the the tub and uh, just letting my body do what it because there was nothing I could do. I just had to let my body do what it was doing. The but afterwards, I yeah, I afterwards I lost the feeling in one of my fingers oh. um, because I wasn't holding onto the two handles. I was holding onto the one, but with my one hand over on top of the other. And I squeezed so tightly that I'd I'd basically broken <laughs> not broken my finger, but I'd like I damaged the the um, tendons or ligaments or whatever and muscles are. Because um, when the physio came around to check on me, uh, I was like, no, everything's fine down there, but this finger I can't feel my finger. And it was like that for months afterwards, absolutely months. You're like, sorry, I just took over and I've broken my own finger. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's a very different experience, but still, yeah, I, I feel very lucky. I've had three great, very different, but three great neighbours. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was very birth then in comparison. Because I, oh, I'd. Well, what do you hear? Different. Well, I hear like yeah. third births can be a bit more stop-start, and they can be quite a different experience from like one and two. Um, and I, I don't know. I sort of think by then I'd be like, I know how to birth. I've had two amazing yeah. births. This, I've got this, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> that's that's what I thought. Anyway, after before Buddy Holly had come over, we'd done a little top up, and um, and so third time round, I did feel like I knew what I was doing. I'd heard that third births can be a bit tricksy, and thought, well, that's not very useful. Um, to tell a pregnant person that her limbs might be tricky, <laughs> especially when she's, you know, trying to use the power of her mind and breathing and all that jazz. Uh, but this time around, I was actually up in Manchester filming the baby club, not during labour, but I mean in the lead up to it. <laughs> not at all. So I was seven and a half months pregnant when I was filming that. And, uh, and I can remember using Siobhan Miller from the Positive Birth Company, her videos as well, just as a refresher and whatever else. So my, I was having itchy hands and feet. Um, um, yeah, so I had spoken to my midwife about it. We did some tests and my bile acids were higher than they should be. So they were a little bit worried. And um, so basically I went to see a specialist doctor and he said um, that he would feel uncomfortable with me going past um, 39 weeks. It was like, because you've had two previous ladies that have gone fine, I, and and so 
Buzz was two and a half weeks early. Buddy was a week and a half early. He was like, he didn't feel like I should go past 39 weeks anyway. He was like, you're, yeah, it assumes that your gestation period is shorter. Um, so we don't need to get you beyond that. So if we get to 39 weeks, I'd like to induce you. And I was like, absolutely fine. But I had this amazing midwife um, called Lizzie who um, at a certain appointment, she was like, when it was the 38 weeks, she was like, let's do a sweep. Because she was like, I don't, a sweep would be much kinder than you going in to be induced and, you know, then you can carry on doing your normal thing. I was like, great. And Lizzie was so sweet. She was like, I've got a 99% success rate with sweeps and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, again, I know loads of people that do hypnobirthing are like, no, I don't want any intervention. I, you know, just let the baby do whatever. But I felt so safe in everyone's hands I was in. And um, so I just sort of rolled with it. And um, so, yeah, so Lizzie did the sweep. We went out for lunch, got back home. Um, I could feel twinges like I was on my period, maybe. And um, and that night, I can remember being, you know, trying to tidy up the house. So I was like, something's going to happen in the next day or two. And I'm not going to get to 39 weeks. So I want the house to be really tidy because this time the grandparents are going to have to come here so we can't get two kids in the car over there. <laughs> At least here, all their stuff is here and you know, it'll be just much easier. And we were literally, I was putting the last toy away. Tom had opened the stair gate um, and we both said, right, it's bedtime now, kids. Buddy, the um, then two-year-old, had stood up on the sofa. His foot had slipped off the sofa and he'd come crashing down onto the coffee table. Um, it's one of those things where you scoop them up straight away. You know, when you scoop them up and you, like when you stop your toe, you hold onto it really tightly because then hopefully nothing's happened. And, yeah. you know, that's you don't want to look. Yeah. yeah. And I just, as I scooped him up, I saw this blood trickle out of his head and I was like, oh, crap. Oh. So he'd literally split his head open and it was like a bullet wound in his head. It just, you could see the oh. skull. It was awful. And um, so we literally all just got in. We live literally on the back, like we can see the hospital from our house. So we literally scooped everyone up. Everyone just got in the car, drove round. Buzz, uh, Tom ran out with Buddy. Me and Buzz then had to go back because we'd forgotten money for the car park and oh, nappies and everything like that. So we were so unprepared. Um, but by the time we got there, by the time five minutes later, some lovely people, like lovely people, had let Tom go in front of them in the queue because they could see the blood pouring out of Buddy's head and he was already being cleaned up and stuff and, and they weren't sure whether he was going to have to basically they could have stitched him up but they felt that because of his age and everything that he should go and see uh, someone at the Royal Free I think um, the following day and uh, um, so <laughs> Look, we were there sweep. I can't do this. <laughs> I know. but we were like okay 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 <laughs> and literally it was while we were sat there waiting to hear what they were going to do, whether they were going to stitch him up there and then, or whether we were going to have to wait for the next day, that I felt my first proper contraction. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. I'm in hospital getting one child stitched up and another is on the way. This is a um, crash course but... for having three kids, isn't it? I know. It totally is. It started as, it was, as it's been going on. Um, so but by that point, we've already found the grandparents because we didn't know how long we were going to be in with Buddy. So they came to pick up Buzz, um, but 10 minutes later, we were on the way back home with them anyway. Um, but they were a bit like, you know, we'll go home and if you need us, call us. And I think we got to about half past 10 and um, and I just thought, you know what, maybe it's best than coming here. 
No, being here anyway, because then if we need to go, they're here. We can just leave them in bed. The kids will be fine because they've got their grandparents here. And they came back, and I was in bed with Buddy because, you know, he, he had his head, had stitches in his head. All but uh, that's the point, because he did need to go back here the next day. And uh, which was a crushing thing as well, realising, hold on, I'm into labour, and I won't be able to be with you yeah. when you're having this traumatic thing happen. Uh, so, the, so basically the grandparents got here. It was really funny. I knew that I was having these contractions and that I was feeling things. But we, had, we did, we did uh, eventually, we found the uh, hospital and we left here about half twelve, I think, got to the hospital about quarter past one. And this time I can remember really, really, really overwhelmed with the intensity of it. And just being like, I don't get it. Like I've done this twice before. Like only taking a few steps and then really struggling, and uh, it was just I was I think I was feeling nervous and apprehensive. Mm. It's even going into Buddy's labour actually. You've done it before, you've boshed it. Was that a fluke? Is the next time going to be the same? Is it going to be yeah. different? It's an interesting thing though because too like you've been even just uh, before you were saying how one of your babies is going in for this traumatic thing, but you can't be present there because another one's about to take over your whole body. Yeah. I imagine it's not the most conducive recipe to no. going internal and focusing. Exactly, exactly. So we got in there and it was lovely and, you know, the same, literally we've managed to get the same room every time, which has been amazing because it's you feel at home. The pool, it's because it's I fine. go for the one that's got the, the pool in it, which um, turns out not a lot of people at that point were doing. So instantly you feel good and yeah no I can't I think I was only three or four centimeters so it was the lowest I've ever been going into it mm. um which was interesting and I think for I think what I was told at one point that after you have given birth a couple of times you were always one centimeter anyway <laughs> 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 um, so I really uh, haven't progressed much <laughs> yeah from normal everyday life um so uh yeah so it just was very, very slow, and then I had a changeover of stuff, and it got to about, I got to about six centimetres, and I kept feeling like I was pushing and just basically wearing myself out. Um, I got to six centimetres. The machine who had delivered Buddy came in, and she was like, he was at a slight angle. His head wasn't fully locked in. It was twisted. It was at an angle. So that's why he wasn't pushing down enough, which wasn't letting it go, progress. So she was like, in her waves, yeah, yeah, because my water still hadn't broken. So she was like, in her opinion, she was like, I I would suggest breaking your water. She was like, it's completely up to you. We can go again, like keep doing this for another couple of hours, but I don't want you to get tired, Mm. or we can break your water and see what happens. And by this point, we know that Buddy has been to our other hospital. We were hoping that Tom would at least be able to go, so they'd have one of us. But Tom's mum and dad had been there taken him and he was back home and absolutely fine which I honestly think is a massive part because yeah. um, my heart was, was also somewhere else yeah. yeah so we'd had that news Rashina said should how do you feel about breaking your waters but no pressure at all which is why I absolutely love her and uh, you know I, I was put in the position of being able to being given choice and I thought you know what let's just let's break waters and see what happens so and, and by this point I I'm I know it's slow, but I'm fairly chilled out, really. Like, I'm just... Oh, I realised at 11 o'clock... Sorry, this is all over the place. This is the most recent one. I realised... 
that I wasn't breathing. Literally, the most fundamental part of hypnobirthing, I was only allowing my breath down to basically the top of my bump. I wasn't breathing into my bump yeah. at all. No wonder anything was well, like no, no wonder nothing was happening. So I was I was fully relaxed, fully breathing, fully sort of yeah, just in the moment. And yeah, so she broke my waters and I literally got back in the tub. I'm not joking when I say I fell asleep for half an hour. Lovely. <laughs> and I literally woke up being like the baby's coming. And <laughs> literally out he came. Wow. But it was, it was very like stop start. One of those things where you have another examination, you think you're going to be further along, and actually you're the same. Um, so I think in like, those situations, it can be really disheartening because you think mm. every contraction you or surge, you feel like you're meant to be moving closer. And, and I was, I was at a standstill. But I think there is many, there are many factors in that. Maybe even the fact that I've been told that third births are a bit, mm-hmm. bit tricks. But again, you know, although it was stop start, I felt like it was absolutely amazing. And I have to say, actually, one thing that I am aware of, even though the bond with Buzz, that feeling of being overwhelmed and, you know, of having a baby on you, I think for me, having had Buzz, meeting Buddy for the first time and then Max, it was instant. There was mm. something about having been there before, mm. Buddy looked identical to Buzz when he was first born. It was literally like Buzz had gone back in time and rebirthed himself. It was literally the most craziest thing ever. Um, <laughs> you got to have that moment again. <laughs> yeah, it was so bizarre. So, yeah, so I, for me, not having that pressure, I don't know, talking to people about things and realising that there are you know, other things going on and that nothing's textbook just made me feel more secure in the moment, I guess, and have less pressure. And I think you'd had the proof in your own motherhood experience, hadn't you? Like you, you come to know Buzz and love him completely. And Mm. you were like, okay, even if it is hard in the beginning, we can get there. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but I imagine that must create a bit of a lightness as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you spend, I spent the first few months of motherhood kind of feeling like I had to listen to everyone's advice, everyone's. (laughs) And, and there's a lot all the things, yeah. yeah, all of the things I'd read in the books. I'd read all the books, and um, <laughs> I, I felt like I had to do everything. And realizing that everything's conflicting. And but the thing, the the for me, the interesting thing is that everyone is so adamant and passionate about the path that they chose, the path that worked for them. Yeah. But the reason they are adamant about it is because they tried all the other paths and were allowed the free. They got to something that finally worked. So therefore, they're passionate because nothing else worked for them. But everyone is different. So everyone's doing the same thing and going through, you know, challenging times to get to whatever works. So I I like to think that that's the reason why, you know, people are so passionate when they deliver stuff. And you've got to, for me, the biggest piece, best piece of advice is to listen to all the advice and just chuck it away and and find what works for you. Thank you very much in the bin. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And I think, too, I think it must also be such proof when you have another baby and whatever worked for the first one won't work for the second or the third. or Totally. I think that must yeah. be when you're just like, well, obviously there's no, there's no method. There's no secret recipe. Um, it's every, every experience is different and every child is different. Completely. And, you know, I was really lucky with Buddy. He... He was a, he was slightly bigger. He's actually the biggest baby, uh, so he was eight pounds, and um, and he fed 
wonderfully straight away. I would only wake up once a night for a feed. So we were sleeping. These, these, yeah. you know, and Tom was home more because after Buzz, he was up on tour, whereas he was home during this period. So it meant there were two of us doing it. So it strangely, for the first six months at least, felt calmer having two children than it did with one. Oh, it's nice for us with just one to think that that could be the way it goes. I did also say for the first six months, just yeah. to clarify. <laughs> and there's the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your stories. It's amazing. I just, I find it so interesting how different the experience of birth is. Um, and we probably didn't get to touch too much on your motherhood journey, but I mean, people can. Sorry, I just carried on talking. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry at all, because it's funny, especially <laughs> I imagine having three, you don't get time to reflect on your births very often. No, um, and that's I think so that's true. The biggest thing I find with this podcast, and I think um, people have said it's quite indulgent, and I was like, it is, and it should be really special. So thank you so much for sharing. And there's snippets of motherhood in there as well. So people will know a little bit more about you and your journey. <laughs> oh, it's been lovely. It's a joy on this hot summer evening. I I'm so sweaty. <laughs> I'm like, it was actually a lovely distraction. I've forgotten how hot and sweaty I am. So that's how nice it's been. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and for people to connect with you, Instagram's going to be the best place that Yes, I've got Mrs. G. Fletcher, which is my sort of personal account, um, and then Happy Mum, Happy Baby, uh, which is, it, well, that was stemmed from the podcast, but it's now got a little life of its own. So, um, yeah, those two places. Wonderful. Well, I'll put links on your episode page so people can find you if they don't know you already. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode come connect with me on instagram with the handle born underscore underscore together i'd love to hear from you and please do share subscribe and rate the podcast to help it get out to a wider audience i'd love if you could until next week bye